anything can move us. Might be a sermon, might be the touch of a friendly hand or a hug or a deep conversation. But uh, the invitation of God is open at all times. If something moves you, I would encourage you to visit with brother or sister, one of our shepherds. We've got at least three here today. At least I've seen three. And uh, I would encourage you to, to visit with them or me or anybody. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just talk. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, um, let me go back. 1 Samuel chapter 7, there's a, there's a wonderful passage. The children of Israel uh, have, have done what the children of Israel always do, and that's rebel. And they, uh, they decided they would take the Ark of the Covenant into battle with the Philistines. And, and so in the course of the battle, the Philistines, of course, they were afraid because they thought that, that Israel had brought their God into the camp. As it turns out, that Ark of the Covenant could do absolutely nothing for them. And so the Philistines captured it. And, and they captured it, and they took it back, and they had all kinds of problems. They put it in the Temple of Dagon, and the next morning they found that uh, the, their god had fallen on the floor, and finally it broke in half, and, and they had tumors, and, and all kinds of stuff happened to them. And they're like, we have got to get rid of this thing. So they send it off on a cart. The children of Israel, of course, are excited about it. Samuel gathers them all together. And they are, they're, 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 they're just beside themselves, beside themselves. And they want to offer a sacrifice. Well, in the midst of all of that, the Philistines, and, and I would love to see this, but I don't know how they did it, but... They got close enough, maybe in a field or whatever, they got close enough to see what they were doing. And they said, you know what? And, and this is from my own version, all right? You know what? Look at them. We got all of Israel right here. We can attack them and, man, we can do big time damage. The scripture says, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Thundered. Now, I, I, you've lived through these, and I've lived through these thunderstorms in Nebraska, and you know how they'll rattle the house. I imagine that one of these thunder episodes was not at all like that. It was enough to scare them off. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the, the siege of Samaria has been brought about by King Hadad. And I mean, it is a terrible, terrible situation. I mean, if you don't believe me, just read. You know, they talk, in a, they, they talk about high rates of inflation. They talk about, uh, uh, and, and I'm not trying to be gross here, but one lady, uh, they were, these two ladies were in some kind of a, uh, an agreement that one day they would eat one's child and the next day they'd eat the next. That's how bad the famine was. 
And there are four lepers, and you know how lepers are. Lepers are persona non grata. They are nobody. They are not allowed to be a part of the kingdom at all. In fact, in New Testament times, they, they had to stay at a distance and cover their mouths and yell out, unclean. I love the passages in the New Testament where Jesus comes and, and touches the lepers. And I, I envision it a little different than just reaching out and touching. I, I see Jesus reaching out and grabbing them. But I digress. These four lepers... They get together and they start talking. And they say, you know what? It's bad. I mean, first of all, we're lepers. Secondly, uh, the city is in bad shape. And if we go out, if we go out to where Ben-Hadad and his group are, you know, we might die. They might kill us. But you know what? If we stay here, we're going to die. So what harm is there in going out? Well, they go out to the camp. And the Bible says this. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. And so they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys and they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. I don't know what it sounded like. Uh, the description that, that they wrote here was it sounded like horses and chariots. But they were afraid. Sometime, if you haven't read Lamentations lately, read it and see how much Jeremiah wept over the city because the children of Israel had rebelled and God had through Jeremiah said you tell the Israelites what's going to happen to them and sure enough it happened just as Jeremiah said the Babylonians came and totally destroyed the area Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. NIV uses the word terrifying. Actually, the NIV uses the word dreadful and the Holman uses the word terrifying. At the end of Ecclesiastes, it says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. In the King James Version, it says, This is the whole duty of man. And the word whole is in italics, which means it's been added by the translators. And so if you read it exactly as it was, it says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole. Actually, duty is left out, for this is the whole of man. Jimmy Allen, famous preacher, used to preach a sermon. I've got a book in my office. The sermon was called, What is Hell Like? I've heard him preach that sermon. Uh, not only do you quake in your boots when you hear him preach the sermon, but it feels a little warm in the auditorium when he preaches it. Because you think, my goodness. What's the deal about fear? Well, it can cause, cause us to overcompensate. 
Maybe someone has abused you. And that can be any form of abuse. It can be physical abuse. It can be emotional abuse. And as a result of that, you hold everybody at arm's length. You can overcompensate and say, you know, therefore, because I've been abused by this person, everybody's going to abuse me. And it can cause us to react in certain ways. Or maybe you're one of those that's obsessive compulsive, that everything has to be perfect. You can never, never measure up or, 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 or just, you, you can't do what God wants you to do. And you try and you try and you try and you work and you work and you work to get God's approval. That's what fear can do. But fear can also make us ineffective. How many people have you known that, boy, when they get in a situation and something comes up and they're scared, I mean, they just freeze. It happened to the apostles one time. There was a big storm on the Sea of Galilee, and, and they, they cried out to Jesus, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. What did Jesus say? He calmed the storm, and he said, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? So we have all these passages of scriptures about fearing God. But it's kind of interesting because you remember God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. And, and not once, but he tells him that over and over again. Be strong and courageous. And over and over in Scripture, we find the, the, the phrase, do not be afraid. And the kicker is this one. It was read earlier by the Sears family. This is how love is made complete. So that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. And in this world, we are like Jesus. And there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. So there seems to be a contradiction here. We're to fear God, and yet the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And there are passages of, of Scripture that says the Bible says we must stand before God. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Uh oh, that doesn't sound good, does it? Anybody willing here to, to stand up today and tell us some of the bad things you've done? Even maybe some of the thoughts that you've had. And yet scripture says we've got to stand before God. Or how about this verse? You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. That doesn't sound good at all. We've used these passages, and we forget to put them in context. It does seem frightening to stand before God. In fact, all of the passages of Scripture where there's, there's conversation between humans and God, 
there is a, an element of fear. Uh, in fact, it's kind of interesting to me, even when angels come, most of the people are afraid and fall down. And we've seen his power and his anger in the Old Testament. But Jesus came. And Jesus took our sins. And he bore them. Which is why Paul said, what a wretched man I am. And then he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Which leads us to Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And when you read a little bit further down into, into, into Romans chapter 8, and, and you, you come to, to a passage around verse 31, it says, What shall we say in response of these things if Christ is for us? Who can be against us? And he goes through a number of questions and says, this is the way our God is. And if that's the case, and they're all rhetorical questions that are asked in the 8th chapter. I would read it to you, but you can read it yourself. Question after question is answered in Romans chapter 8. And so I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused. If you look at this and you say, fear God and keep his commands, and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and you read all these passages, and we, we see these passages talk about fear, and yet we see these passages that also talk about God's love for us. But that's the story of Scripture. That's the story the entire Bible is about, our redemption. And so, really what happens is this. There's a change in relationship. I was sitting here looking at Roger and, is it Malachi? Which one? Alistair. I was looking at Roger and Alistair. Is that one Malachi? Malachi's over here. Okay. Yeah, it's Martha's fault. But I sat there and looked at Alistair and, and Roger, and, and, and Alistair just loves Roger. He, he comes over and he sits in his lap and, and uh, flirts with everybody, but he wants to be in Roger's lap. And I imagine that later on in his life, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this because I, I have grown up kids. <laughs> there will come a time when Alistair may not want anything to do with Roger. I hope not. But there seems to be a time when there's a pulling away. And the difference comes in the end when when we finally decide, okay, Roger's not as crazy and, and nutty as, as I thought he was. 
I don't know, maybe you are. <laughs> but I think it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We become a follower of God and, and we understand that we need him. And then pretty soon we start saying, you know what, I feel pretty good about myself. And you know what, God, if I need you, I'll call on you. But for now, I'm going to hold you at arm's length. And I hope that eventually what happens is we realize and we understand that we desperately need God. That we need his presence, that we need his forgiveness, that we need his son. And I want to say today, if you have not had a change in relationship with God during your Christian life, then I'm going to say something is probably terribly wrong. I know there are some people out there who, who follow God from day one all the way through. But I want us to understand that there has to be a change in relationship. Were you scared of your parents when you were young? I was. Not necessarily when I was a baby, but boy, a little bit later on, you know, the swift hand of judgment would come. But when they got older, I wasn't afraid that my dad would spank me. I could run a whole lot faster than he could. But there was a change in relationship. In Ephesians chapter 4, I don't think I put this up. It says, as a result... We're not babies anymore. We won't be thrown this way and that on a stormy sea, blown about by every gust of teaching, by human tricksters, by their cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, we must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything in him that is into the king who is head. Paul says we've got to grow up. We've got to mature. We've got to understand who God is. And so we face these what ifs. What if I fear God and I overcompensate? I didn't have a loving father. And so when you talk about a loving father, I struggle. I've had a conversation with people before that have said, I don't understand about the God that you're talking about because my dad was abusive. Or you tend to earn your way because you're a perfectionist and you insist on perfection of not only you and others. But you don't have to be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect and they complete you. What if my fear freezes me and makes me ineffective? Grace. It's what grace is for. Grace is to release us from the, the, the shackles that bind us, the shackles of sin, and helps us to realize, listen, this is not about me. This struggle is not about my life. The struggle is about living the life that God wants me to and knowing that he is a forgiving and loving God. Yes, 
to understand who he is. Yes, to be fearful from that standpoint, to know that this is the God of, of Isaac and Jacob, of Abraham, of Moses, of all of those people, of Jeremiah, of the people whom he told to warn Israel. But God sent his son Jesus to pay the price so that we could cast out all fear, so that we could live in love and understand exactly who he is.